Good morning, Church on the Rock. Wake us up, Borgeling boys. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, Ann. I got to do it one more time. Good morning, Church on the Rock. All right. So um, here's the thing. Last sermon of the year. Yay. Awesome. We made it another year. Praise God for that. And uh, we're going to do it's another one-off before we jump back into Romans um, next Sunday. Yeah, we're going to get back to Romans next Sunday. So the name of the sermon is While We Wait. Um, give me that. While We Wait. Um, there's been a lot of talk from a lot of, diff- like, not just congregation members, but I've done a couple funerals recently, um, and I've talked to a lot of people in the community. And a lot of people are asking, like, okay, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now what? Like, great, I believe in Jesus, now, like, now what? What do we do now? So we're waiting for him to come back, and what am I supposed to do in the meantime? And if it's just about believing in Jesus Christ, why can't I just go on sinning, and why can't I do this, why can't I do that? Like, a lot of people have been asking this. Am I still, can you still hear me? Yeah. Hmm, okay, thank you. All right, so um, I do want to, before we get here, I do want to show you something in terms of the years. Some people think that when I'm coming up with these hashtags and everything that it's just me randomly like throwing a hashtag and seeing if it'll stick. But I want to show you what we've done over the years. In 2018, I don't know if you guys remember this. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. But we said surrender 2018. Everything was really focused on what it looks like to literally surrender your life to God. That, that point of salvation of believing in the gospel and surrendering your life. So the hashtag for 2018 was surrender. Naturally, in 2019, this, this hashtag all year long has been belief births behavior. If you have truly surrendered, then that belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior should birth some type of behavior or else we have to question those things. And so next year, boom, I'm here for it. That's like, that's the, that's the end result of the belief birthed in a behavior. What behavior? The behavior that says, I am here for it. I am actually ready to be a disciple of Christ. I am ready to follow after him. It's not about the church. It's not about the pastor. It's not about nothing else but Jesus Christ. I want to look more like him. So I surrendered in 2018. I, I found that that surrender means it needs to birth something in 2019. And so in 2020, I'm here for it. You see how it's just progressing and like what seems like fun hashtags actually mean something. So I just want you to always know that I pray constantly, God, where do we go next? What do we do next? It's not just me randomly thinking up things. These, there's a reason for all of this. And if you're really looking and even going back and reading or, or going back and listening to the sermons again, you'll see there's a flow that is, is actually taking us somewhere. Please, Mike, don't do that today. So going back to where we're at today, um, while we wait. Um, we're going to be in Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it reads like this. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we're about to find out what we need to be doing in general while we wait. Take good notes, read this thing up, and let's get into it. So while we wait, investigate. I love that it rhymes. I didn't do that on purpose, but it rhymes. So while we wait, investigate. That's the first thing you want to do. You want to investigate. Investigate what, Rashad? Okay, we're going to start off with the beginning of that verse, for we are. So the first thing we want to investigate is, are we the we in Ephesians 2.10? Remember, Paul's writing to a specific people. 
he's writing to believers, Christians, in the church of Ephesus. And so there's something that we have to identify in the context of this chapter before we can go forward in this. So let's go back real quick. Uh, excuse me. Going to the next verse. Look, this is the context of who the we are. So the we that he's talking to are this. He's looking at you. And remember, remember two weeks ago we said that you is a plural, so it's really y'all, right? Like, it's y'all. It's not you. It's you, plural. It's y'all. And y'all, everybody in this room, y'all were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see that it's past tense, though, right? Y'all were dead in your trespasses and sins. Keep going. He says, in which y'all formerly walked according to the course of this world. Y'all laughing at that? According to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now, that is now. So look, you were, but this spirit is now working in the sons of disobedience. Let's keep going. Among them, the sons of disobedience, we, or y'all, including me, so we, <laughs> we too all, look at that, formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. Just don't, don't move yet. So the we that he's talking to, you have to look back at these first three verses and recognize that you're not that we unless all these things that he mentions in verses one through three are your former, your past, your, like you're not seeking to be these things anymore. You, you may fall here and there, you may trip up, you may slip, but you're not actually seeking out to be these things. So when we have questions like, hey, while we're waiting, why can't, if it's just about believing in Jesus, why can't we just do what we want to do? Well, because if you really believe in Jesus, if you really have been saved, then these things are your past. Yes, you slip up, you fall, you, we trip. Yes, we do, because we're still living in the flesh, but inherently, you belong to Christ. You're not a child by nature of wrath. So all those things are former. So, it, it, so you have to have a, a but God moment, which is Ephesians 2.4. It says, but God. Right? So that means everything I just said in those three verses are about to be erased. Right? Every time you see but God, you're supposed to shout. Y'all don't know how to shout in here, so we'll work on that in 2020. All right? We'll get there in 2020. But, but. When it says, but God, that means all the negative things you just read about y'all, we, are about to be erased. Why? Because God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, look what he did. Even when we were dead. So while we were dead in our transgressions, our disobedience, our sins, our nature, we talked about this, our nature in wanting to disobey him, even while we were in that state, look what he did. He, God, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Keep going. It says, and he raised us up. So he made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. You see how all three of those things, making us alive, raising us up, and seating us, are all in Christ and all done by God. So you were all these negative things in verses 1 through 3. And then you had a but God moment in your life when you responded to the gospel. And when you responded to the gospel, these are the things he did to you so that it is your right now, right? And so what happens is this. It says, why did he do these things? So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. So in other words, he did this for his glory. He didn't do it because you're cute. 
He didn't do it because you're awesome. He didn't do it because you go to church on the rock. He didn't do it because of ethnicities. He didn't do it because of race. I mean, that's the same thing, right? He didn't do it because of gender. He didn't, do it, he didn't do it for anything else except for his glory. He saved you for his glory because it shows who he is. So in verses 1 through 3, you were all of these things. And in verses, <laughs> sorry, Brooke just, <laughs> I'm sorry, she, she, she flipped the, the thing and was like, ah, okay, I'm back, I'm back. All right. And so, and so going to, um, look at this. So now, look, for by grace, remember we've talked about grace, by divine enablement, all right, that's the majority of the time you see this, by divine enablement, you have been saved. You see that? By divine enablement, you have been saved through your faith in Jesus Christ. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God divinely enabled you. He, and we know that because he, he raised us up, he seated us, he made us alive. He had to do that. So by divine enablement, you have been saved through your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Why? So that it's not a result of work so that no man may boast. So let's just stop here. Has anybody seen somebody who's received a gift and boasted about it? Anybody know anybody like that? Um, I am that person, all right? I, that is me. So um, I was driving home from, I had, I had a meeting a morning like two, three weeks ago, and Bob Goodpastor, who owns Best Friends Coffee, was like, hey, come to the shop. I have a gift for you. So I get to the shop, and he gives me this hoodie, and I was like, oh, man, that's great. And he's like, you know, because of, you know, our relationship and our closeness and we just got these made, I wanted to make sure I gave you one because I really cherish what, you know, our relationship. I was like, oh, awesome. So it was in like this little paper bag and I went home and, and when I saw Brittany, I started, I started fronting. I was like, yeah, Bob said, because I made one of the best sandwiches and because I'm such an awesome customer and I, I bring all my people there and all that. He gave me this hoodie, so you know it's because of who I am, you know, like, I earned this hoodie, like, I, I, you know, the hoodie belonged to me because of what I do, right? Like, I came home, she was like, why did you, why'd you give me that? Because, you know, I'm all that in a bag of chips, that's why. And, and amen, right? So then, um, last Monday, I went to Best Friends again, um, I was checking in with him, and, and Charles was there, Charles Dotson, one of our deacons, and he had this hoodie on, and, and I looked at him, and I was like, why do you got this hoodie on? Like, you don't deserve this hoodie. Like, you haven't got a sandwich named after you, and you don't bring people in here, and you don't. And so Bob comes walking in, and I'm looking at Bob like, I thought I, thought I was special. Like, I thought you gave me this hoodie because of what I've done for you and what I've done for the place. And he goes, no, I gave it to you because I love you, and it's a gift, and I gave it to other people I love, and it's a gift. A lot of people have that hoodie. And so now I can't boast about why I got the hoodie. <laughs> It was a gift, right? Like, I hate people who go around, but even though I'm the person that does it, that go around boasting about something that has nothing to do with their works or, or them. And that's what this verse is saying. It's like, no, no, your salvation has nothing to do with what you've done. Be, and, and when we get into this and really break it down, it's because anything you've done outside of belonging to me is, is not going to earn your salvation anyway. And you see what I'm saying? So, that, that's, so, so I, I thought about that when I saw him in the hoodie, and I was like, I thought I was special, but I'm not. I'm just one of many who have a good relationship with him. And so anyway, um, so look at this. Let's, 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 once again, while we wait, first we needed to investigate if we are the we in this verse. So some of you, you look at, you look at verses 1 through 3, and, and um, when you see the formerly and were and all that past tense, you can't say that. Some of you are children of wrath. 
some of you are living in this way. And you, you see what I'm saying? And, and if that's who you are, that's okay. We want you to recognize that because we all were that at one point. Everybody in this room was in those verses in the first three. We're trying to move you. We're trying to, we're trying to grow you to a but God moment. We're trying to grow you to a but God moment so that you become the for we are God's workmanship that we're about to look at now. So while we wait, we investigate if we are the we in this. I got to stop saying that, right? Is that what it is? Like the we are the we? No, we, we. Okay, never mind. All right. So, okay. So look at this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. All right. So let's break this down a little bit. I want you to see this. The word workmanship right there is where we get our, our English word poem from, all right? The word in the Greek is poema, and it literally means a created work. And when you break the word down and, like, the way it works, there, there's a word that means the person who creates the completed work. There's the creating of the work, and then there's this word right here, the finished product or the, the art, the work of art that is created by the person. So you, if you have had that but God moment, you are the created work of God. You, people like to say we're his poem, but we try to make that too English, right? We try to make that too American. You are his created work. His masterpiece is a better uh, example because it doesn't have to be a written work. It could be a painted work. It could be a musical work. Whatever it is, you are God's masterpiece. And the word created there, um, in the Greek, it's a word that can only be used of God, technically, because it's to take nothing and make something. In verse 1, it says you were dead. You were spiritually nothing. There was nothing there spiritually inside of you for you to respond to God, and therefore he had to create something out of nothing. So the only one that can honestly use the word created is God, because he's the only one who can take nothing. And every, everything we create comes from something. Right? Everything we create as human beings, we create from something. Even when we create life, it comes from something. But God is the one who in the beginning was able to take nothing and make something. So, so we are his masterpiece that only he could create in Christ Jesus. Uh, Titus 3.3 says it like this. Titus 3.3 says, for we also were, you see that, foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But, there's a but God moment, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, which is Jesus Christ, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Look at this. By the washing of regeneration, so that's, that's making something new, and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. This is what we call the new birth. This is what we call being born again. Like, you were born once physically. You, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again spiritually. So it says, uh, through the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, going on, he says, so that being justified by his grace, we would be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this is the new birth. And the new birth is, is, is significant because that's what makes you a new 
creations like 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. So you have to, you have to really wrestle with that. Like, it goes back to la- two weeks ago when we were talking about how salt and sugar look the same. And everybody in here claims to be salt, but a lot of us are sugar because we still taste like sugar. We don't taste like salt. And we claim that we're salt, but when you do the taste test, you're still sugar. Nothing has actually changed about you, about your DNA, about the inside workings. You're not a new creation. You're just, God doesn't want a better you. Think about that. Th- that's what we do in Christianity. I'm trying to better myself by being a believer. God does not want to better you. My pastor used to say he doesn't want to better you. He wants to debtor you, right? He, he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want Jared 2.0. He doesn't want Rashad 2.0, Michael 2.0. He wants Christ in you. He doesn't want you better. He wants you to completely decrease that Christ may increase in you. He doesn't want you to exist. He doesn't, remember, when you stand before God, he doesn't want to see you. He wants to see his son. This is the whole, like when we say I'm covered in the blood, in the blood of who? Of Christ, not you. I don't want God to see me. So it's not about you being better than what you were because even at your best, you fall short. So he wants to see Jesus Christ. You need to be a new creation for him to see that. You, you need Christ birthed in you through salvation. So it goes on. I just want you to see this. We are his workmanship. We belong to him. We are created by him if we are the we in here. We need to investigate that if we are actually created in Christ Jesus to be his masterpiece. So you have to ask yourself a question like this. Here it goes. Are you created or are you counterfeit? Are you actually created by him or are you counterfeit? Another way to ask the question is this right here. Are you savior made or are you self-made? Which one? Did the Savior make you or did you make yourself? Because there's people in church who do all the right things to make themselves be the new creation that they think they're supposed to be. When in actuality, while they're sitting there trying to make themselves, they're actually a counterfeit Christian. And eventually something comes as fire that tests to see the authenticity of it, and it fails every single time. These are the people, these are the people that, that you would say, Man, but they've been, they showed everything that they were supposed to show, and then something came and tested them, smacked them, hit them, burnt them, and they walk away from the faith. And people say they lost their salvation. You're like, no, no, they were never, ever saved to begin with. They were counterfeit. They were, they were self-made Christians. They weren't Savior-made Christians. They weren't his masterpiece. It's, it's, I, I used to sell shoes. Um, I used to sell shoes out of my trunk. <laughs> of my car. It gets, it gets worse, right? Um, and so the first question people would ask Clinton, the, the first question somebody would ask when, they, when I, you know, pulled the box out of my, my trunk is, are these real? <laughs> are these the real deal? Are these real or are these counterfeit? Did Nike actually create these or did you make these, right? Because I may, they may look the same right now, but as I wear them over time, eventually the quality is going to show that is not, it's not the real deal. It's counterfeit. They were real, by the way. They were actually real. 
I've, I've sold a lot of counterfeit stuff, but those are real. All right, so <laughs> going on. So look, I want I want to show you this. There's um there's some new uh, people who've been coming to our church, um, and I had to meet with them for uh, for to talk about salvation. Praise God. And they have two. Uh, she, well, she had two kids. Uh, one's name is Harper. She's three, and one's name is Aaliyah. She's seven. Right. And so while we were at the dinner table, um, Harper would not talk to me whatsoever because <laughs> it's like stranger danger, right? <laughs> And um, as she grew, and I'm, I'm a, I think I can open that up a little bit later, but as she grew in, com- you know, being comfortable with me, she made me this picture at the top. And Aaliyah, who's seven, she's a little bit more comfortable, but she made me this picture at the bottom. Now, here's the thing. Th- this is a beautiful thing I want you to understand. Some people would look at the top and say, you know, it's like an M maybe and like a, a purple whatever, and that's it. And she gave it to me. But here's the thing. That's her masterpiece. No, she created that. No matter how it looks to you, that's her masterpiece. Um, and same thing with the bottom, the baby sharks. Like, that's Aaliyah's masterpiece. So this is what I love about this, right? Look at this. You may, you may look at yourself and say, you know, surely because I don't look like the person preaching up there or I, or I don't attend as much as that person there or I'm not as, as well-versed or I can't memorize this. You may use all of that to look at yourself and say, I'm not God's masterpiece, right? But it's not what you look like on the paper that makes you God's masterpiece. It's the fact that he's written on you. It's the fact that he's colored you. It's the fact that he made you that makes you his masterpiece, not what you look like. And this should make you pause before you judge anybody in the church. When I look at you and you don't look like what I would think God would make as his masterpiece, that's not for me to determine. That, that, I, I don't determine what God's masterpiece looks like. God's masterpiece is a formal heroin addict. Right? Former crackhead can be God's masterpiece. A former prostitute can be God's masterpiece. Right? Not just the ones who are well put together. And so what makes that Harper's masterpiece is the fact that Harper did it. That's what makes it her masterpiece. She created it. It's hers. It's her work of art. So when it says, when, when it looks at us, it says, for we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. It, it's not looking at your works. It's looking at his work. That's why you cannot boast. And that's also, so that, that prevents me from looking at anybody while I'm up here and saying, hmm, if you was really saved, you would be preaching by now. What? <laughs> Says who? By my masterpiece standards. Well, it's not about you. It's not about you. Not about, it's not, it has nothing to do with what you think. It's about what God has created. You see what I'm saying? So, so you cannot boast. But you also cannot look at somebody else and determine whether or not they're, they're his masterpiece based on what they look like on the outside because he created them. Does that, does all that mess. So, so here's the thing. People say, um, they say uh, in the negative sense, you call somebody out on sin and they say, you can't judge me. Right? Like, like we say that all the time. Who, who are you to judge? Only God can judge me. Right? Like we, we always hear that. And, and technically, we can if you're a Christian by the Bible. But let's, let's put that to the side. Let's just say, okay, you're right, be, because you can make yourself look like whatever you want to. And, and, and you're, you're right. I can't judge. I don't, I don't honestly know what's going on on the inside. I can only see the fruits on the outside. But here's the thing. So, so because I can't truly judge and know that I'm right or wrong by my judgment, here's the thing. You're right. I can't judge you. And so that means even on the, on the positive side, when we're talking about salvation, I can't truly judge you. So we use it in the negative. 
oh, who are you to call out my sin? You can't judge me. You're not God. Okay, cool. But that means on the flip side, who am I to say you're saved? Who am I to, to proclaim? You're, like, I, I just did funerals in the past week, and everybody wants you to preach their loved one into heaven, regardless of their life, right? And, and, and you can't do that. So, so this is what happens. We investigate. Who do we investigate? Ourselves. Look at, look at this uh, verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. This is the point I'm trying to get you to. Because it's God's work, because you're God's masterpiece, and because all the Christianity in the world cannot truly determine what's going on inside of you, while you're waiting on his return or on your life to, to pass so that you can go and stand before God, you need to test yourselves. You need to test yourselves because all we can do is look at your fruit. And you can fake that. Judas faked it, right? You can fake that. But you can't fake it to yourself. So you have to test yourself to see if you are in the faith. And I don't know why Christians are scared to do this. But this is what people don't want to do. They don't want to. That's why they don't want to learn the Bible. Because it's going to expose you. Every week that I, that I sermon prep, I get exposed. And, and I have to change something in my life. Every single week I get exposed. Every single week I'm like, man, this is an easy verse. Ephesians 2.10, I know this like the back of my hand. I ain't going to change nothing this week. You're right. You're right. <laughs> this week has been, oh, man, it's been a tough week. So test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize, which is a test, this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? And here's the thing. I would pray that you test yourself now so that if you fail, you can have a but God moment. That's the thing. You're scared to test yourself because you're scared to fail. But I want to fail now and not fail when I'm standing before God. Once again, this is not a lose your salvation thing. This is a are you saved to begin with. So while we, while, while we wait, we're constantly examining ourselves. That's, that's what you do while you're here. You're, you're constantly testing. One of the reasons I'm going to India, one of the reasons I'm going to India, I'm examining myself. You know how, you know how we, we have a nucleus of people. I preach every week. I've gotten comfortable. I've gotten real comfortable. I, I meet with people. I do marriage counseling. All these things are really in my realm of comfort. I'm comfortable right now in ministry. I'm very, very comfortable. I pray. I said, God, put something on my plate that stretches me to really test me. Because I don't want to be complacent in you. And out of nowhere, this opportunity, I, I've never wanted to go out the country. I've always said, I'm America, 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 right? I don't want to go out the country. And then this opportunity lands in my lap to go to one of the, the, the most dangerous places in India to minister in a country that says you're not allowed to convert. Am I really here for it? Right? And so, so that's why I want to go. I'm, I'm examining myself. To make sure that I'm, I'm really what I'm preaching. I pre Two weeks before that happened, I preached a sermon to you that said, Paul said he was willing to give his life for the gospel. And I said I was willing to give my life for the gospel. And then I went home and thought about that and said, am I really willing to give my life for the gospel? And then I prayed and God was like, well, here's an opportunity to test it. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was like, when I sat down with Drew and him, I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I was like, let me ask my wife about it. And I was hoping she would say no. And she was like, sure, that sounds, yeah, that'd be good. I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> why? <laughs> so here's the thing. What you're investigating in your life 
is you're looking for his signature on your workmanship. You're looking to be his creation. So you need to investigate that. So um, going to my next slide, um, we, while we wait, not only do we investigate, but then we have to identify. If you investigate and you come to the conclusion, I am his workmanship, then you need to identify what he created you for. A lot of people have investigated and said, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm created in Christ Jesus. And it's like, okay, why were you created? I don't know. I, to be saved. Well, okay, he saved you. That's one. But that's not all he had for you when he saved you. So it goes on and it says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Oh, by the way, Bible study note. When, you, when you're doing Bible study, if you, if you break your verses down like this, you can study them a lot better. You, you know, if you, when you write out the verse, if you write it like every two lines, it gives you a lot of room to circle and point things to each other. So I'm just trying to teach you a little bit there. So look, we were created um, in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared. Now I got to do some heavy teaching here, so stay with me. Keep going. Um, so while we wait, we were not saved by good works. We were saved for good works. Here's the reason. Go to my next slide. The word good has, there's two words for good, and we have to break this down re really thick, okay? So agathos is a good that it, it, it produces good. It is beneficially good, all right? So like the good from agathos, when agathos is used, is something that's going to benefit others, all right? When, when, I'm, when I'm agathos good, I benefit others. Uh, the other good is kalos, which is beautifully good. In other words, it looks good. It actually looks good. Uh, one, one great in the Septuagint, uh, in Genesis 3, 6, when Eve looked at the fruit, it was not agathos that they used. They used kalos. Why? Because it says when she looked at it, it looked good. But we all know the fruit was not good, right? The fruit that Eve ate, it was not good at all. But it looked beautiful. It looked good because of what uh, Satan has said about it. You know what I mean? It, it changed her mindset. So look at this. Um, Go to my next slide, Leah. So going back to the, <laughs> to the masterpieces here. Um, Harper's, Harper's masterpiece to the world may not look kalos. It may not look good, right? But when, when she went from stranger danger to um, I want to draw a picture for you, right? There was a change in her heart. There was a change in, in her, her thinking about who I was and and to show that change, to, to show that I no longer see you as my enemy, but instead I see you as my friend, she produced this, this picture that even though it may not look good to you, it's agathos. It is good. It came from a good place. Does, does that register with you? Does that make sense? And so that would be like the three-year-old baby Christian who some of the things they do, it's coming from a a masterpiece created person place. It just doesn't look good to us. We're like, eh, I, I know Christ is working in you. I see it because you're making an effort, but, but boy, that's not, that's not how you do it, right? But some of us who are like the seven-year-old Christians, it came from the same place. Aaliyah was like, from, from the moment I sat down, she's like, hey, pastor, you know what I mean? And, and, and when she produced it, it even looked good. Why? Because she's been drawing and doing this for quite some time. She's a little bit more mature in what she's doing. And so when she presents it, it looks a little bit better. It's kind of like preaching, right? There's preachers who get up and you're like, eh, I know Christ is working in them because he preached the word. It's just, eh, it's not as polished. And then, oh, this guy who's been preaching every single week of the year, yeah, it's a little more polished. But they're both from an agathos place. 
They're both from a beneficial for you place. Some just don't look kalas on the outside, right? And so that's important because go to my next slide. Look at Matthew 19, 17. Look at this. It says, and Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is when the rich guy came? Why are you asking me about what is good, agathos? There is only one who is agathos, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. So what he's saying is the only one who is, who is inherently beneficial for others is God. So now, put this all together. All oh, this excites me. Put this all together. Because of that, anything you do without God inside of you is not good. We call people good all the time. Well, I know she don't believe in Christ, but she's such a good person. No, she's not. By the definition, she can't be because God is the only one who is agathos good. She may kalos look good. She, the, the things she do, they may look good by human standards. They look good, but the, the fruit Eve ate looked good, right? The, this is why it says in the Bible, your, even your righteous deeds without Christ, without being recreated, reborn in Christ, are, are manured. They're, they're, why? Because only God is agathos. So the only way to produce these agathos works is that God be in you, that God created you, so it comes from you. That is so heavy because that's why it says we were created in Christ Jesus for agathos works. The only works that can come out of us if Jesus has been, if we've been created in Jesus. Does, does that, do you get that? You, like that's heavy teaching. That is such heavy teaching. So look, we're going, so I want you to see this. Like look how it works. So every agathos tree bears kalas fruit, meaning, yes, you still want to present something that is appealing and attractive. It says to make the gospel look beautiful, right? So because I am agathos good, because I've been recreated in Jesus Christ, I produce fruit, and that fruit I'm producing looks to the world as kalas good. They're like, man, uh, when we did the funeral for Caleb, everybody that came in here said, this is just such a beautiful thing that your church is doing this for somebody in the community who's not even a believer, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And we're like, well, we, we're only doing it because God has recreated us. There's nothing about us that makes us do that. But the way you see it is kalas. You see it beneficially good. I mean, you see it like it looks beautiful to people because, because people know good from bad, right? So, so that's, that's so heavy um, of a teaching. Keep going. I, I, just get, I start geeking out. A good tree, an agathos tree, cannot produce bad fruit. But look, a bad tree cannot produce kalas fruit. And, and so you say, but, but I... But the bad tree produced something that looked beautiful according to Eve, according to Eve. So that, that how it views, how it looks is according to God biblically, okay? You see that? So when he says it doesn't look good, it, it, God is saying a bad tree cannot produce something that looks good to God. A bad tree can produce something that looks good to you, but cannot produce something that looks good to God. And that's the only looking you should be worried about. You see what I'm saying? And so on the, on, the, on the flip end, when you're doing your Christian thing and people look at you and say it looks bad to them, don't worry about what it looks like to them. What does it look like to God? That's what matters. So you need to identify why you were created. Let's, let's look what happens. Every tree that does not bear kalas fruit that looks good to God is cut down and thrown into fire. That is hell. That's just flat out hell. So then you will know them by their fruits. Well, Rashad, how do I know what looks good to God and what doesn't look good to God? The Bible. 
the Bible. Just read, read the Bible. He's like, this is good. This is not good. Anything from God is good. Like, um, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like, that's good. Like, so, so how do you determine to see things the way God sees things? You read the Bible. It's called a biblical worldview. No longer can the world tell you what looks good and what doesn't. You tell the world what looks good and what doesn't according to the one who created the world. That's the problem with man. We keep trying to tell the creator <laughs> what's good about what he created and what's bad. He's like, no, <laughs> no, right? And, and so this is where, like, um, Romans 8, 28, he uses all things for the good of those who love him and all that good. This is why we look at things and say, what, how could he use that for good? That is devastating. Uh, but you're looking at it from your time limited, you know, your, your limited perspective of right here. You're not looking at it from God's perspective. So what he sees is not what you see. So that's where you, you say, give me faith, right, to trust what you say. You, you understood? All right, so, man, time went quick. Okay, keep going. Uh, 1 Thess- Thessalonians 5.15, look at this. See that no one repays one another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Beneficial. You see that? Evil, don't repay evil for evil. That's not beneficial, but repay with good, beneficial. But look at this. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good looking or, or, or callous. Why? And, and, and he says abstain from every form of evil. So look, why, why if, pastor, if we're not having sex, why can't I live with my spouse? Because it looks evil. You see that? And, and so there's, there's, some, there's, a, there's a place for both. One is, hey, if people are doing evil, don't repay it with evil. Do what's beneficial for everybody. That's agathos. But, hey, even if, this, even if this isn't bad, if it looks bad, if it's a form of evil that looks bad, remove yourself from it because you want to you wanna bring glory to God. You want people to, to see the glory of God, the good-looking things of God. All right, so um, works are in outward works are outward deeds of inward character. That's what works are. So when he says agathos works, he's saying if God has created you, you were created for you're, you're, you've been you've been changed and renewed, and it should birth out something uh, from that inward character that produces these outward works that are agathos and kalos. Honestly, so uh, we get to James two, and this is what you see. Even so, faith. If it has no works, it's dead by itself. Uh, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? He goes on. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? So once again, you're not, you're not working to save yourself. But look, Abraham can say, hey, you, you mean more to me than my son. Okay, give your son's life up. No. Okay, well, then I don't mean more to you than your son. Like, it's that simple, right? So it's, it's, it's you said it, Right? But if you really believe it, it should birth an actual response, a behavior. And then, uh, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. All right, moving on and trying to finish this up. Works do not justify man, but the justified man works. Remember when we talked about righteousness and all of that? Okay, the one who has Christ's righteousness will do the works. You do not work to get justified, but you will work if you are justified. Uh, good works do not produce salvation, but good works are produced by salvation, okay? They don't produce salvation, but they are produced by salvation. It's the response, it's the result of salvation. So finally, last point, while we wait, illuminate. That one rhymes too, that's kind of (laughs) dope. So while we wait, illuminate. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So we've we've investigated that to make sure that's us. Then we've identified why we were created, for good works which God prepared. God had to prepare them, why? Because only God is good, right? 
And so, uh, and so why did he do that? He, he did that so, go back, go back. He did that so that we would walk in them. In other words, the, there's a purpose for all this, that we actually walk in these things, that we actually walk in it. So in John 12, 46, uh, if Jesus was born, we celebrated Christmas. What if he was born and didn't do nothing? What if he came, oh, the Savior of the world, joy to the world, the Savior of the world, he has come, and he's just playing video games like his entire life, right? Light of the world, he's supposed to show us the way, he's supposed to be our example, and he didn't show us nothing. He didn't let his light shine at all. That, that's my point. <laughs> like, he was created, he, he, he wrapped himself in flesh for a reason. He didn't do it just to do it, he did it to actually, to show us an example, a pattern of how to be that, 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 that Christ man, right? And then also so that he could die on the cross. What if he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that part. I, no, no, even though it was ordained for him, it was planned for him. So he says, uh, Jesus says, I've come as light. Go back. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. You have to let the light shine. If you ever come here late at night and go into that area of this building, it is dark. It's all get out. And you have to take your, like, your iPhone or your Android, and you have to turn a little light thing on just to get over to the other light that is on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and it's, it's super-duper dark. And if you don't turn that light on, you're in darkness. Light exposes what's in the room. Light shows you the way, so you have to illuminate that so that we can, we can expose the world. Uh, keep going. Now, Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what God has done inside of you. If he's really done it, work out you earning your salvation. That's saying because he's created this inside of me, I'm going to actually exercise what he's put inside of me. I'm going to actually, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? I'm going to let it come out. And he says, look, uh, in the next verse, he says, for it is God, when you work out what's inside of you, it's God who is actually at work in you both to give you the will, the desire, and the energy for his good pleasure. He's, everything you do for God that is good, agathos works, that shows the world these kalos works, all of those things are what God is doing in you. You just said he created you. He, he put you together. He, you're reborn because of him. So it's not about you trying to figure out how to do Let God just have his way with you. Like literally just surrender yourself and, and let the things that you read in the Bible be birthed out of you. And so um, I'm going to finish up with this. Uh, walking in good works is not an option for his workmanship. It's not, a, it's not a suggestion. It's not an option. Instead, walking in good works is an ordination of his workmanship. It says he, he ordained these things for you. He prepared them. You were ordained. This is what you were called to. If you have been born again, you were called to good works. This is what he called you to do. And so, uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew 5, 16, he says this. He says, let your light shine before me in such a way that they may see your kalos works. Because they're not going to know what's going on on the inside. But what they're going to see is the beautiful works on the outside. And what happens? As a result, they glorify God. Which goes back to the beginning when we said, why did he make you alive? Why did he raise you? Why did he seat you? For his glory. He did it all for his glory. So this is, this is my final illustration. I was with uh, Amanda Williams and her, and I said, um, what's the difference between the Apple Watch and like any other watch? I mean, does the Apple Watch tell time? She said, yeah. I said, well, my watch at home tells time, and it's not an Apple Watch. 
And I said, does the Apple Watch have a date on it? She said, yes, and my watch has a date on it. You know, wa all watches are the same, aren't they? She said, yeah, well, this one right here, after I read the instructions, I was able to find out all the other things it could do, right? And she said, I can talk to my Apple uh, Watch. I can hear from my Apple Watch. I can text from my Apple. All these other things that make it unique in its creation. But she had to read to find out what it could do. She had to read. Uh, she had to investigate to make sure it was a real Apple Watch, right? Then she had to identify the things it could do based on the instructions. And then she was able to illuminate and show off why this watch was different than every other watch in the world. Um, that preached to me right there at the table, and I was like, wow. So what you're telling me is because you read the instructions from the creator, you're able to make it do everything that it's capable of doing um, after reading and practicing and all those things. So look at this. This is what's wrong with us in Christianity. Many Christians are unfulfilled or, and, and miserable because they're not doing what they've been created for. You've, you've never read the instruction book. You've never read the Bible. You've never asked yourself why God created you, and therefore you're, you're, you're lonely, you're lost, you're unfulfilled. What is this, what, like, what am I waiting for? You know, I'm, I believe, and I don't, and it's, and it's honestly, it's because you don't know this new creation you are. You don't even know how it functions. You don't know how it works. Um, and so my, my, my push on this right here is that in 2020, you make a dedicated effort to not just listen to sermons on Sundays, um, but in your individual time, search for, search for God and, 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 and beg him, Father, show me how you have created me to illuminate your glory. Whatever that is, it might not be a church on a rock. It may not be serving here. Wh whatever it is, whatever you have for me that will illuminate you for how you've, how you've redesigned me, I want to know. I want all in. I'm here for it. That's my prayer for you for 2020. That's the end of this sermon. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We have some quick, uh, thank you for being patient. That The Greek got a little heavy there. We have some quick rock responses. It's going to be basically like this all year long. We're going to ask pretty much the same thing every, every week. What is God saying to you regarding your salvation right now? We just talked about investigating to see if it's the real deal. So what is God saying to you about your salvation? Because you may feel like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not his workmanship. I did a whole bunch of stuff to make myself feel like I'm saved, but I can honestly say I'm not created by him. That's okay. We want, we want to be here for that moment right there. But then secondly, what is God saying to you regarding the evidence of your salvation? So maybe you believe that you are his workmanship, but you're still looking for the evidence. This is where testimonies matter. Where was your, where was your but God moment? And some, some of you are like, I, I don't remember even having it. Be careful with that. I'm not saying you have to know your testimony, but you should have a moment where you say, you know, but God changed me and recreated me, and I was reborn, and this, and I, I can tell you, I was on this side of the line, and these are the things I was doing, and when he changed me, things start looking different. I'm not perfect, but I'm walking a lot different than I did. Here's the thing. Um, number three, what are you going to do about what God is saying to you? So if you, if you ask those questions, now what are you going to do about it? We're no longer a church that you come here just to learn Greek words, okay? We're a church that you come here to learn obedience. We will not be knowledge-based any longer. I'm not going to show off for you or anything like that. If I'm telling you something in the Greek, it's for you to obey better. That's it. So if God is saying something to you right now, whatever he's saying to you, ask yourself this question. What are you going to do about what God is saying to you? When you answer that, here's the final question. 
How can we help you with your response, with your obedience to what he's saying to you? Every week in 2020, and as long as I'm preaching here, this is what we're going to ask you at the end. I don't want you to ask yourself what I said to you. What is God, through the Spirit, convicting you of that you need to respond to? How are you going to respond, and how can we help you respond? How can we help you actually live that out? We are here to obey and to become more and more like Jesus Christ. We do that through obedience. So let's stand up and sing. Thank you for giving me that extra, like, ten minutes. It's a little bit later, but very, very important message. <laughs> our Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. Redeemer, defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you.
lift our hands and surrender, just as the word said. Uh, we beg you, Father, to take this message and, and actually make it move us to, and motivate us to actually, to actually work out what you've worked in, Father. May our life simply be a reflection of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we go into the new year, may we not make resolutions that die. May we make life changes, Father, that glorify you. May we make, may we make a commitment, Father, to simply allow your word to be our truth and your son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Father, for giving us instructions on what to do while we wait for your son to return or until we're face to face with you. It's in Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.